you're listening to the Swedish podcast, hosted by Jill Leckie and Kat Trigarski in conversations about the paradox of life between two cultures. We've been inspired by Kat's favourite podcast this week, so we're going to be debunking some of Sweden's most well-known urban myths. And I don't just mean, you know, whether or not a Swedish meatball is actually from Sweden. Some of these are really exceptional and thank you to everybody on Instagram and on Facebook who wrote to us with their um, weird and wonderful uh, stories that they had been told. Do you want to explain to everybody that's listening a little bit about this this episode? Right well I have an absolute favourite podcast of all time other than Mm -hmm. the Swedish of course. It's something called You're Wrong About which is presented by Michael Hobbs and Sarah Marshall and the premise is that they set about debunking popular urban myths that we all believe. Okay. And it is an awesome, awesome show. So what, what's classed as a popular urban myth? Oh, well, for example, at Halloween, they did one about people putting drugs in Halloween candy ah. and things like that. So that type of okay. thing. Yeah, things that you think you know about, but actually you're wrong about. Got you. Okay. So human trafficking oj simpson okay interesting so you suggested that we do this um for the swedish podcast but instead focus on swedish urban myths or things that people may have heard before actually living in sweden so things that people thought they knew about sweden that aren't actually true and some things that people who've been living here still think (laughs) in some cases so we put this to our listeners on Instagram and on Facebook and ask them to get back to us with stuff that they kind of had heard but weren't really sure whether or not it was true. Uh, And we got some really good stuff back from people, really good suggestions, including the usual, which was, you know, everyone is blonde and blue-eyed, which is just not true. Nope. <laughs> I think that, that me, like many, many years ago, maybe two or three decades ago, that was something that the country probably wanted as a representation of the country, probably wanted to perpetuate. But I know now that there are many, 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 many groups and activists in Sweden who are trying to change that, who are trying to ensure that Sweden is represented fairly and inclusively. And realistically as well. Yeah and represented as as Sweden actually is. Exactly, which as it is a, an incredibly diverse population. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the other usual one is that, you know, Swedish meatballs are not Swedish. Yep. They're Turkish. So shall we, yes. shall we dive right in? let's do. So one of the um, first, <laughs> first myths that we were sent in, it was a story that she had been told by somebody um, where that when it comes to being tested for sexually transmitted diseases or STDs, it is unnecessary for you to be tested unless you have slept with someone outside of Sweden. Now, the minute that Kat and I both heard this, <laughs> this statement, both of our, we, our right eyebrows slightly raised at that one um, because it's just factually inaccurate. It's just totally inaccurate. In fact, Swedish law, Smittskidslagen, which is the um, infection protection, protection, (laughs) actually gives you the right to free STD testing for HIV, hepatitis B and C, chlamydia, 
gonorrhea and syphilis at any age. So it doesn't matter if you're, you know, under the age of 25 or, or over the age of 25, you are protect, you should under that law, um, these things should be tested because it is for the greater good of society as a whole to make sure that these things are protected. So if you're ever told by somebody, I don't, I don't know who would tell you this, but if you're told by somebody that says you're not meant to get an STD test unless you've slept with someone outside of Sweden, that's just garbage. You should be, anybody should be able to get an STD test regardless of who or where or what or when you've slept with somebody. So that is officially debunked. So moving on to something that that gained near mythical status in the past few years, all over the media a few years ago was Sweden allegedly implementing a four day working week. Yeah. This one, uh, it, I believe was one company. Uh huh in Sweden some years ago that thought they would try it out. Uh -huh. And then more recently, Gothenburg Commune implemented a six hour day for healthcare staff, mm -hmm. I think predominantly nurses. Yep. And they found that actually implementing a six hour working day on full pay did actually reduce the number of sick leave mm -hmm. applications. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it did happen. Although a six hour day doesn't equal a four day working week, week. Yeah. <laughs> either. No. And uh, mm. according to uh, the Working Hours Act in Sweden, the full working week is 40 hours, so mm -hmm. eight hours a day. Um, but I do think, I did hear that Finland's Prime Minister, Sana Martin, um, she wants to start thinking about implementing it um, in Finland. So she's mm -hmm. put, put together um, several uh, think tanks about implementing a similar scheme that was uh, implemented in Gothenburg, trialing it um, there. Another urban myth that has been debunked. Yes, very much so. The next one is, oh, I kind of, am, it's like, it's a heavy heart, <laughs> this one, um, because it's a, uh, charge that is leveled against Sweden quite frequently, especially by right-wing conservative media outlets um, all over the world. And it's that Sweden is now the rape capital of the world. And there are several ways that this can be debunked. So I'm going to read you some stuff here. So beg your pardon, I'm reading it from a paper, but there's a lot of figures in this and I just need to get it right. Evidence for this claim usually comes in the form of comparative international statistics. So that means that basically they're looking at other countries' rape statistics. And it suggests that Sweden has a 63.5 reported rape incidents per 100,000 citizens compared to the 27.3% per 100,000 in the US or the 27.9% per 100,000 in Belgium, the nearest European country with those numbers. So the reason that the number has got to that point, 63.5 per 100,000, is for several reasons. First of all, each case of sexual violence in Sweden is recorded as a separate incident. So for example, if someone says that they were raped by a partner every day for a night, officers would record 14 separate incidents of rape. But in other countries, that claim 
would only be counted as one single incident of rape, despite the fact that it happened 14 times, which is pretty shocking. The other one is that in 2005, Sweden broadened its definition of rape, which means that the word rape can also be used to record acts which would be called assault or bodily harm in other countries. That led to the increase in the number of rapes reported in the country over the years following that law change and since appears to have leveled out. Second of all, another insignificant variable to take into consideration is society's view of rape. In Sweden, where women's rights are in sharp focus, women are and have increasingly been encouraged to actually report rapes and they are taken more seriously when they are reported, which means that there is not so much social stigma around rape as there would be, say, in other countries. So four very good reasons there why that number per 100,000 is so much higher than, say, the US or Belgium, other European countries. So more to do with Sweden being slightly forward-thinking about how sexual assault, rape um, are persecuted than many other places around the world. So I think we can say that one is fairly... Debunked. Debunked. One of the other ones that we were sent by somebody on Instagram um, was that immigrants are equally, that the, the myth that immigrants are equally covered by the Swedish gender equality policies. So that's quite, that's quite a broad urban myth because there's a lot of different ways that you could, you could cut that statement. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Sweden is definitely making gains when it comes to gender equality, it still has a long, long way to go. Like many other countries around the world, there is still a gender pay gap. There's also equality gaps for people who are disabled, people who mm -hmm. are transgender, LGBTQ. So there's still significant gaps in equality there. But when it comes to gender equality, progress has, has, has been made. But there is a lot of academic research that's been carried out specifically with foreign-born individuals and gender policies. So those academic pieces of research contribute towards an idea that gender equality gains felt by native women, for example, are not fully gained by foreign-born women. Now, there are several reasons why that is. Many of it's because the kinds of jobs that a lot of foreign-born women end up gaining when they move to Sweden do have lower than average incomes. So that lowers the average overall of foreign-born women coming into the labour market. It's not good, but it's math at the same time. And there is also that key issue of information being lost in translation. So mm -hmm. are foreign-born women gaining access to the kind of information that they need about what they are entitled to in job interviews, in work discrimination, in gender policies, and so on and so forth. So I think, I don't necessarily think it's something that Sweden, like Sweden's not out to get anybody. I know that it's sometimes hard not to feel like that, but I do think it's just a case of system issues, which of course need to be addressed. But I think um, there are easy ways to address it in terms of ensuring that that kind of information goes, gets into the hands of the right people. So the next one mm -hmm. that we had, this one also came from Instagram. Yeah. 
and that was uh, old people being thrown from Gothenburg bridges during times of famine. <laughs> and <laughs> this one, I knew about this, but not in the context of Gothenburg. I have I've never heard it said about Gothenburg, but it is actually uh, something that there is uh, written examples of being talked about happening in prehistoric times in in Sweden uh, that old people either chose or were volunteered to be sacrificed at, at times of famine I, I imagine uh, by being thrown or throwing themselves down precipices <laughs> and uh, this actually, uh, you can read up about this on, on Wikipedia if you Google Etastupa, which we shall put in the show notes yes. so that people can, can read about this because Etastupa is the precipices. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are recordings of this having happened in antiquity in Sweden. Wow. But I, I think Gothenburg Bridges makes it a little too modern. Yeah, I, was <laughs> I don't like... think it's. I don't think it's been happening, <laughs> happening recently or specifically in the centre of Gothenburg. <laughs> but yeah. I was, I was really glad that you joined up the dots for me when you put into the show notes, pre-show notes, um, that there is an um, example of this in the film Midsummer. The irony here being that you have seen that film and I haven't because it's a horror film and I don't watch horror films. I just go on their Wikipedia pages and read the plot so that I don't have to scare myself by watching them. I and then I'm able to talk yes. to people about the horror films I haven't seen. I completely missed it. I did not connect the dots at all between the the people, old people being thrown off of Gothenburg bridges and uh, the precipices, but it's totally true. It's absolutely absolutely true i was just gonna say this rang a bell in my head because having gone to the wikipedia page for midsummer back when the film came out to read the plot and find out what happened in the film that i was never going to watch uh, i then googled etastupa <laughs> to find out what that was all about so it uh, it clicked when i read this about throwing old people off gothenburg bridges blimey. blimey so um officially that is one that we cannot debunk it's actually i, I guess we can say debunked in modern times. Debunked in modern times. The other one that we got from uh, another one that we got from a listener on Instagram was um, they'd heard a story about an immigrant family who had covered their apartment in soil and then had grown potatoes. Hmm. I, I I mean talk about tumbleweeds. There was nothing. <laughs> I the, the only thing I could think of here was was another film, which is that one with. Matt Damon, where he gets stuck on Mars and he has to grow potatoes. <laughs> That's what it brought to my mind. But I, I couldn't find anything about about people growing potatoes now, on the floor the, of their the only The either. only thing that it kept throwing up for me was, uh, on my extensive research that I did, um, was actually the Swedish migration to America during the potato famine. Um, we've all heard about the, the story of how um, many people in Ireland survived um, the potato famine by moving to different countries, i.e. migrating to America. But um, the same thing happened in Sweden. So, um, but apart from that, I haven't heard anything about a modern day family living in Sweden and covering their soil, their apartment in soil and growing potatoes. This one also confuses me because, I mean, potatoes grow quite 
a long way down. <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to put a fair old layer of soil to be able to grow potatoes in it. <laughs> Moving on to other ones that were actually true that we got sent. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows about uh, parental leave in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, the once, but the specific thing that somebody asked about was about paternity leave, so daddy leave. I mean, yeah, the facts don't lie. Um, both parents are given 480 days when a, when a child is born. Um, each parent must use 90 days, use it or lose it. Um, and the rest of those 480 days can be divided as you will. Um, between uh, the mother and the father. So it is actually one of the longest paternity leaves for fathers in the world. I'd also on this one like to uh, give out a shout to my cousin mm-hmm. who uh, was the person to uh, bring this one up in which she used the magnificent phrase crotch goblin for children, <laughs> which I just think is awesome. <laughs> and I'm going to have to use that in general conversation from now on. Crotch goblin. Nice. Uh, kind of rings tones of rugrats but yeah crotch goblins yes. much better <laughs> the next one also comes from facebook and this is that uh, beer costs 18 pounds mm. it's a very specific figure mm-hmm. sometimes it just feels that way yeah yeah no alcohol does feel as though it costs a lot of money here that uh i would say that in in yeah certainly in restaurants and bars alcohol is expensive mm-hmm. but alcohol purchased obviously at Sustembelaget is considerably cheaper yes and also I think this one is a myth that perpetuates because uh, you've got a lot of people coming or before pre-corona you had a lot of people coming here as tourists and then they're coming and spending their tourist money that's been earned in their own countries whereas uh, you know here in Sweden alcohol is expensive but also our wage level is mm-hmm. higher than in other countries yep. as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so if you're living here it's expensive but it's not as expensive as it would be for someone coming from say the u.s yep. here as a tourist yep. and buying a i was gonna say a pint of beer a half liter of beer <laughs> all this time and i still call them pints some of the other ones that we didn't get to are um yeah so the healthcare is best that's a really hard, we felt that that was a really hard one to answer because it's quite arbitrary um, without any context or knowing what it's being compared to. It's difficult to answer. Um, as a social welfare state, obviously, healthcare in Sweden is subsidized quite, quite heavily. Um, so we pay a minimal amount for treatment regardless of what kind of treatment it is when you go to hospital and but and, and everybody gets the same level of treatment you know it's hard to really talk about it unless we're, we know what you're comparing it to and your ex- your experience of your individual experience of healthcare um can be very very different from everybody else's so for example i'm coming from the uk in scotland where we have the nhs which is you know subsidized social health care and um it's free social health care um so i'm very used to that kind of level of health care that's what i've grown up with so it's the same ish here kind of but whereas if you're coming from say the us where health care is privatized 
everybody has to pay for it. You have to have insurance to be able to access it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very different experience from what other people would have. So it's a hard one. That's a hard one to answer. You know, it's again, it's, mm -hmm. you know, as you see, begin to sort of look at these things, you realize that not everything's black and white. So it's, it's hard to, that's a hard one to answer. Another one that uh, that we're not sure if we can debunk or not is uh, Swedes follow the rules. Mm. Yeah. yeah, this one this one makes me laugh because uh, having gone from living in the UK to living in Denmark to living in Sweden, I would say that uh, British people don't follow the rules really, mm -hmm. unless they, they like everyone else to follow the rules, but mm -hmm. they personally themselves don't need to follow the rules. In Denmark, everybody follows the rules. Yeah. In Denmark, you do not cross the road on a red man. Yeah. Yeah. You do not do that. Even in the centre of Copenhagen. Yeah. Someone will will tut or stare if you uh, if you cross on a red man. Yeah. And <laughs> and the first time I came to Sweden, having lived in Denmark, I was I was so surprised <laughs> that people just threw themselves across the road because <laughs> I'd got after almost seven years in Denmark, I'd got so used to. Uh, to standing and waiting for the green man mm, mm. and i think also i would say that stockholm is not a city that follows rules i think everyone here is very much more individualistic yeah absolutely and so i would say so i think that one is very difficult to uh to say is true or to debunk i would even go as far as to say I'm not entirely sure if Stockholm as a population, as a society, is an accurate representation of the rest of Sweden. No, exactly. That's, that's sort of what I was meaning there, that uh, I think Stockholm is, is as a cap, I think uh, to make a sweeping generalization as well, I think capitals generally are. Yeah much more individualistic yeah. than a country yeah. as a whole you know melting pots international cosmopolitan i agree with you that's a that's a hard one to debunk or bunk i don't know <laughs> <laughs> high taxes but that gives a good quality of life that classic that old classic that old chestnut um again it's not that black and white. But I think also this one is very much on, it is very individual as well, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. And I think it also depends on where you're coming from, your background. Absolutely. Your view on taxation. Absolutely. There's a lot of things that play into this. It's, yeah, I don't think this one you can say yes or no. Yeah, and it, it, it's a classic one that I used to come across quite a lot when I was working with little bit abroad and we used to get we used to get a lot of questions from people who were either thinking about moving here or um who were kind of curious about life in sweden from a sort of outsider's perspective you know they were like yeah but taxes so high so high in taxes sweden da, da, da. um and that the that is exactly the answer that i would give them it's like it really depends on your outlook and your life experience and you know where you're coming from i'm prepared to pay higher taxes if it means that i don't have to pay for my child's education and daycare as simple as that yeah you know i i i've been able to go to work start out in a new country um learn the country's language um run a biz run my own business subsequently start a new job all without having to ever take a second thought about the fact that my child is in daycare. 
or where, you know, like, how are we going to pay for daycare? How are we going to pay for childcare? It's all taken care of. And, you know, yeah. for that alone, yeah, I'm happy to pay that little bit more in tax. Don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, yes, taxes are high if you compare it to other countries, but I think what you get back definitely in terms of, of uh, healthcare, childcare, education, mm. uh, I think is, uh, is, it's a price mm. worth paying. And it's kind of goes in, it also kind of falls into this. There's another sort of urban Swedish urban myth that's linked to that, which is, you know, um, Sweden really likes to perpetuate this idea that it really fought for women's rights in terms of going, having the choice to go back to work after their kids were born and offering free childcare so they could support that and be on the side of women and stuff like that. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about economics. <laughs> Sweden is a tiny country. It needed every single person back into the labor market as fast as possible once they started a family. And they figured out in the 70s that the only way that they could do that was to ensure or to offer families, growing families, an option for childcare. Because if they didn't, there would always be one person staying at home. And then that person wouldn't be contributing to taxes because taxes individually, people are individually taxed in Sweden. So it's kind of a, you know, a lot, you have to sort of learn <laughs> how the system works before you begin to realize, oh, hey, right, yeah. Uh -huh. So um, it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of, it's like a big cog, like a big machinery cog. Everything's joined up. One of the funniest ones, I think, one of the my favorite ones that we got was the next one, which from Facebook, another another suggestion from Facebook about urban myths. Um, high jumping is Sweden's national sport. <laughs> I'm going to have to say no on this one. I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised when I saw it because it's not one that is, you know, it's not one that's perpetuated massively uh, internally in Sweden. Um, but I guess if you're an outsider looking in, especially looking at kind of, you know, athletics championships and, and stuff like that, you know, we have had some pretty significant high jumpers. Carolina Kluft, is that what her name was? Carolina Kluft, yeah. She was a gold medalist high jumper and most recently of course Duplantis and before that Stefan Holm uh -huh. and Patrick Patrick Huber. but these are kind of like all these are like all like Swedish athletes that have kind of you know they've been over a very long period of time it's not like they've all been it's not like they've all come out with the same program <laughs> it's like you know <laughs> decades between each other <laughs> um but I guess it's a bit like saying this the national sport of Scotland is um, curling. I don't really know if it is. <laughs> we once we once won one gold medal at curling at the Winter Olympics, and ever since then, that's been it. That's the only sport that we could do. I would say that Sweden doesn't specifically have one national sport. I would say there's a fair few that Sweden is pretty good at. Yep. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's... Yeah one thing you could say no this is what sweden rocks at no i mean i can't remember watching the olympics or any other major national major international sporting event going oh my god this is sweden's sport this is the one nothing really jumps out apart well i guess the only one that i would think of was like swimming but even that that's not i mean that's not you can't say 
sort of swimming overall. There's no, so many different. No, you're right. You're right. Also, because if I think Duplantis is actually pole vaulting, right? Not. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the other, I can't remember with Carolina Clift if she was pole vaulting or high jumping, but the other two guys I mentioned were, I think, high jumpers rather than pole yeah. vaulters. God. <laughs> You know, I, I, I suppose the one really that stands out is football, um, but but I would say not even really on an international level is that something that's a given. Uh, I mean, Zlatan is an incredibly talented footballer. Um, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, doesn't play for a Swedish Cup, Swedish national. national yeah. Um, so, and there have been a few very very good Swedish footballers, but there hasn't there's never been enough really, really outstanding Swedish footballers at the same time yep. for the Swedish team to really pull, to it, get. pull it together. <laughs> no, no. And the same can be said for ice hockey. I mean, you know, yeah, but not really. No, no. All the really, 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 really good ice hockey, like Swedish ice hockey players, they all end up going to play for NHL. So, you know, none of them actually really stick around for, um, for league games in sweden um yeah anything else uh no i think i think we've covered a fair few uh fair few myths that we've debunked or proved correct debunked i would like to do i would actually like as a premise i would actually like to do this again but take some of the um really kind of pervasive international myths about sweden and turn them into individual podcasts there's definitely more to what um, some of the things that we talked about today. And I think it's something that we should um, dig a little bit deeper into um, and really debunk the myths. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to the Swedish podcast brought to you by Kat and Jill and our wonderful sound editor, Cecil. If you have a moment, it would be great if you could rate the podcast and share it. It just means that people would find us a little bit easier when they're looking for us on our download streams. You can find us on Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Podcasts. Thank you.